0: Hello, Westside Family Church. It is so great to see you, whether you're here at Lenexa Speedway or watching online. I want to begin by asking this question. Do you find, like me, that there are some things in our world that don't make sense? Are you with me? I've got many, (laughs) I do. But I just want to pick one. It seems to me that, at least in the past, I don't know so much it's true today, but that cell phone companies treat new customers better than they do existing customers. That's been my experience, okay? And I'll tell you a a story. Several years ago, my son and I went, uh, we were out of town and we went to a store because my phone was malfunctioning. And uh, I thought to myself, this is gonna be a good experience because I've been a long time loyal customer who's paid all my bills on time. So I walked into the store believing I had a little clout. And I walked in and sure enough, there's this sales guy With a big smile on his face and he reaches out his hand and he said, how can I help you? And I thought, man, this is going well. And then I told him while I was there to get my phone fixed. The smile went off of his face and he literally pointed to another room that I was supposed to be in. He didn't even take me there. He just pointed me to the room and I walked there with my son only to find a line 25 people deep of other existing loyal customers who had a problem. I think that that just doesn't make sense. Can I get an amen? Well, today, we are going to talk about things that don't make sense. But today, the subject matter is not cell phone companies or whatever you have on your mind. The subject is God. Today, God, Jonah, is going to challenge God that what he has done doesn't make sense. Sense. As a matter of fact, he's even going to have the audacity to tell them that it's wrong. Before we dive in, though, we're going to say this prayer one more time. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles, your analog Bibles, your digital Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand here. Lenexa Speedway and online. We're going to say this prayer one more time. Say it with conviction. Ready? Dear God, we study your word to know you, the truth, to find direction for our daily life. Give us the guts to follow your will the first time so we can avoid living in the gut of a really big fish. And all of God's people said, turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4, the last chapter, and we're going to start reading in verses 1 through 3. For those of you who might have missed a couple of weeks, Jonah has just preached his message that in 40 days, if they didn't do something different in Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, that in 40 days God was going to overthrow them and destroy them. Uh, And uh, to everyone's surprise, uh, they turn and they repent and they move towards God. And it looks like God is going to show compassion on them, forgive them, and over the next 40 days is not going to overthrow them. So the chapter begins this way. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord... Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah, dude, take your meds. (laughs) Jonah and the Israelites felt that they were long-time loyal customers. 1,650 years to be exact. And to them... God should focus all of his energy on keeping them happy, a retention program, if you will. However, God wants to offer the same exact program to these new potential customers who, by the way, are worshiping the competition. And not only that, he wants Jonah, an existing customer, to go over into the other room, put a smile on his face, hold out his hand, and say, how can I help you? And Jonah loathed the idea. And why would he not? Who could blame him? The Assyrians were ruthless people. Listen to what one historian wrote about them. Nineveh was a notorious sanctuary of savagery. Consider what one Assyrian king did to his defeated foes. I quote, 3,000 captives I burned with fire. Their corpses I formed into pillars. Their governor I flayed. His skin I spread upon the wall of the city. From some I cut off their hands and their fingers and their noses, and of many I put out their eyes. I formed a pillar of heads against the city gate, and 700 men I impaled on stakes. Other than that, they're pretty good people. The only thing that Jonah felt they deserved was capital punishment, total annihilation, total destruction. And the reality is God agreed. Justice needed to be served. But God wanted to give the Ninevites one more chance. Anybody have a hallelujah in you that would say, I'm so grateful that God gave me one more chance? He gave them one more chance to change. And who would have thunk it? They took that chance and they changed. And it angered Jonah to no end because he knew God enough to know that he would show compassion to these people. The question becomes, why was Jonah so upset? And I want to offer three suggestions that you can take some notes on in your West Side app or a piece of paper. Reason number one, Jonah is selfish. I counted I, me, or my in the prayer of Jonah, just the prayer of that one prayer of Jonah, I counted nine times he uses the phrase, I, me, or Maya. Jonah was super happy that God showed compassion to him when he was in the belly of the fish, but he deems himself more worthy of God's compassion than other people. Idea number two, Jonah is prejudiced. He flat out doesn't like the Ninevites, and they are not easy to like. Don't get me wrong. Number three, Jonah is filled with pride. I don't think that Jonah wanted to head back home to Israel and live the rest of his days with the notion or the idea that Jonah went there and God showed compassion on them. He wanted to come back and said, they got what they deserved, But instead, God forgave them and showed compassion on them. Let me give you a modern-day example. Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, today is Mosul, Iraq. Imagine a number of years ago when the brutal dictator Saddam Hussein was in power. Brutal dictator. Imagine that you were given the assignment to go give Saddam Hussein a chance. And so you're sitting in a room with him, and you say, hey, listen, if you say you're sorry and promise to never do it again, I'll let you go. And so he says, you know, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And you let him go. And you come back home to the United States, and you're on national television, and you'd say, did you take him out? Did you take him out? No. No, he said he was sorry, and he would never do it again. And I believed him. What kind of popularity would you have on any news station here in the United States of America? <laughs> he was so upset in verse 3, he said he would rather die. Jonah just needs to be thankful I am not God because I would have said, you know, that could be arranged. <laughs> verse 4, God questions Jonah, is it right for you to be angry oh this is a good question is it right for you to be angry many times in scriptures God the Father and even Jesus in his time on earth instead of responding to us with the answer he does so with the question pay attention to the question because the answer is embedded in the question but in this particular case Jonah is in no mood to respond to God who does such a thing he has no mood to respond to God so in verse 5 it tells us that Jonah just goes to the east side of the city to watch and see what's going to happen over the next 40 days he's hoping in fact that God destroys them but he's a little bit nervous that in fact God is going to show compassion to them and again he's in no hurry to go home so he sits out on the east side of the city where apparently there's no covering whatsoever it might must be in the dead of the summer and so he's sitting in the hot sun with no sun screen. Now I want you to feast your eyes on verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort and Jonah was very happy about the plant. Do you notice the extreme swings in mood for Jonah. Now he is not just happy, but he is very happy. As long as it's about Jonah, God's existing customer, he is happy. And I think this is the attitude of many modern-day Christians today. God, as long as you make it about me, I will be happy with you. But then there is another shift the next morning. As we've seen in previous chapters, God commands the waters, he commands the skies, he commands the fish, and here he he commands a seed to grow up overnight to provide shade. And now the next morning God calls a worm, a worm or a weevil to eat the plant causing it to wither. Can we make a note here, just a side note in the book of Jonah And that is, a worm is better at obeying God than human beings and Jonah. First the fish and now the worm. Oh, that we would be as spiritual as a worm. God then calls the wind, a scorching east wind to come in and it's just beaming down on Jonah. And he's sweating, and he's frustrated, and he's irritated. At the end of verse 8, Jonah wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. What a whiner. You know, I love the story of Jonah because he doesn't make me look so pitiful. The whole nation turns to God with just an eight-word sermon. In chapter 3, verse 4, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Just eight words, and the whole nation turns. The sermon I'm giving you today is roughly 2,500 words. Oh, for me to only have to prepare eight words, <laughs> and for you to respond with utter Obedience and repentance towards God. This would make my life so much filled with joy, right? But Jonah is upset. So in verse 9, God engages Jonah with a little follow-up question. He's going to rephrase the question. He's going to add this object lesson to the conversation. Do you have the right to be angry about the vine? Now, put yourself in Jonah's shoes. This is God we're talking about here. Jonah the prophet works for God, and this God just put him in and out of the belly of a fish over three days. How would you respond to God when you know, in fact, this is a rhetorical question? I would say, personally, no, sir, I have no right to be angry about the vine, but not Jonah. Jonah says to God, why, yes, I do. I am angry enough to die. Now, I want us to look at verse 10 and uh, God's response, and then I want to talk about what this means to us today. Verse 10, 11, this is This is really important, so lean in, listen carefully. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant even though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. Let me ask you a question. Have there been times when God hasn't made sense to you? Uh, Maybe that's right now for you. And it's maybe even caused you, like Jonah, to be a bit angry with God. Maybe it's related to this global pandemic thing. You're mad. You don't understand how this could make any sense whatsoever. But maybe for you, it's more personal. Maybe it's related to your job situation or your finances, your relationships, maybe your personal health or the health of somebody that you know. 33 years ago, as a young dad, Roseanne and I had our second child, and he was born without a left hand. From his elbow down, And I remember as a young dad saying, is this just random? Or is God behind all this? And if he is, why? Why us? I mean, I've devoted my life to being a pastor. I go to the zoo. This is true. I go to the zoo and every single monkey I saw had two feet and two hands. And here I am, one of your servants, and this is what I get? Really? I don't understand this. you have something like that? Well, let me offer you three things to consider. If you're taking notes, write this down. When God doesn't make sense to you, trust that our linear perspective from the lower story doesn't tell the whole story. You got that? Now, what I want to do is I've tried to think of an analogy that would uh, give us the position kind of where God is at and uh, and for us to look down and see how things are coming across from his perspective. So I've got this shoebox here that I want to use. And I didn't have a shoebox, so <laughs> I had to go out and buy a brand-new pair of shoes. <laughs> you know, I had to do that. And in this shoebox, uh, you're going to see that I have placed uh, a bunch of um, uh, objects And this represents the beginning of your life and the end of your life. And then I have here an ant to represent you, okay? And I'm going to put you here uh, in the box right there at the beginning of your life. Now, the reality is from your perspective, you look at life from a linear point of view. You cannot see what's ahead or what's around the corner, the mountains and the challenges that you may face, but, uh, but you, you can see certain things, uh, like there. I mean, you, there, well, there's Bernie Sanders. I mean, I mean, you can see certain things in front of you, but you can't see what's up over the hill on the other side. But I, in this particular case, f- forgive me here, like God, I'm looking down on the whole thing. I'm looking outside of the beginning and end of your life. I'm above it all, and I see what you're going to face. and And here's the deal. I not only see your life unfolding... But the reality is, in God's case, he actually cares about the ant. He actually loves the ant. He actually wants to be in a relationship with the ant. He has a plan for the ant. And so I see that on the other side of this hill that there's going to be, uh, there's going to be challenges for the ant as the ant is moving forward. And so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to intervene in the life of the ant from time to time, and I'm going to put... Uh, some obstacles there so as to divert the ant to go in a different direction, okay? And when I do this, it's going to create an inconvenience for the ant. And guess what? The ant's going to get angry with me because I've messed up their life. But what they don't see is that I was keeping them from something they could not see, which was destruction on the other side of this. And not only that, but on the other side of this hill, I have for the ant a wonderful leadership position. But in order to prepare for that leadership position, they're going to have to go up the difficult hillside here to develop the strength and the character to handle the character and quality. They need to be a leader right there. However, if they knew me and they knew my intentions, that I was working together for the ants' good they wouldn't get so angry with me when they were back here. Am I making sense? See, God sees from up above. We see from a linear perspective. And as a result, we miss what God is doing. It is easy for fish and worms and ants to trust God. Not so much for us. We struggle. When God doesn't make sense today, I invite you to trust that our limited perspective doesn't tell the whole story. It is interesting, uh, Albert Einstein was interacting with some of his brighter students on one day, and he asked them this provocative question. What percentage of the total knowledge of the universe Do you suppose we possess? Good question. And the students, brightest students, suggested different kinds of things, but the average was about 2%. And this was Albert Einstein's response. I think your guesses are high, but I'll accept that figure of 2%. Now tell me, what are the chances that God exists in the other 98%? Oh, that's good that's good for those of you who think you're smarter than Albert Einstein and you got it all figured out and you're just ticked off at God. Be careful. As we look back, Roseanne and I, 33 years on our son's life, we now see what God had in mind. Whether he caused it or not, we don't know. But today my son is still missing a left hand But he's 33 years old. And when we were raising David, we knew that we could not teach him to find his self-worth in his outward appearance. Oh, the world will burn you for that one. But he had to find his self-worth from his identity in Christ. And today our son is a litigator right across the street from the White House. And when he walks into the courtroom with his $2,000 suit cut, exposing he's missing a hand, but he knows who he is in Christ. Don't take him for granted. As it turns out, we now see God's bigger story, and we're so glad that we didn't get super angry with God for what he did, because it turns out having your identity firmly fixed in Christ is more valuable than having two hands. It's the truth. Principle number two. When God doesn't make sense to you, trust that God will make things right in his time. Not your time, but in his time. Jonah doesn't know the whole story. Jonah doesn't know the half of it, and he unwisely judges God from his position of limited knowledge and really, at the end of the day, does not have the right to be angry with God if he knew how the whole story would finish. Well, we now know the whole story and how it finishes. Jonah chapter 4, the book ends with Jonah thinking the mission was a total failure. Let's just see about that. So I'm going to put a timeline up and watch this. This could be said of your life as well. In 750 BC, Jonah preaches uh, and the Assyrians turn to God. Fast forward 30 years or so, 722 BC, listen to this, God is going to use the Assyrians to discipline Israel. See, it turns out that the Israelites as existing customers really weren't loyal at all, and justice needed to be served, and so God spares the mighty Assyrians to actually execute justice on Israel. Yes, the place that Jonah went back to the 10 tribes that make up the northern kingdom of Israel. He's going to use the Assyrians to come and sack them and assimilate them into Assyrian culture. But historians tell us because of their conversion, they no longer practice the ruthless uh, practices like uh, like skinning people alive and cutting off their noses. So when they capture the Israelites, they are spared from the ruthless practices of the Assyrians. God wanted to execute judgment rightfully on the Israelites, but he wanted to do so in an act of grace. But we're not done. Fast forward another 100 years to 6 20 B.C., and we see that God's going to raise up the Babylonian Empire to the south to overtake the Assyrian Empire, okay? God's instructing and, and controlling all of this from above. As it turns out, the Assyrians didn't stick with their commitment to worship God for very long. There was a remnant that continued to follow after God, but the majority of the Assyrians went back To their pagan worship. Their primary god, interestingly enough, is a god called Dagon, which is the fish god, half fish, half man. I found that to be quite interesting. From above the shoebox, God brings justice in just the right time. First Israel, then Assyria, then Babylon, then Greeks. And Romans, and I remind you, he will do the same to all nations today, including our own. I remind you that many of us are thinking that we're making a lot of immoral decisions, and it looks like today we've gotten away with it. But in God's timing, in the shoebox, above the shoebox, make no mistakes, the United States is not getting away with any immoral decision that we are making I remind you, in biblical prophecy, United States does not show up in the future. Better put your trust in God. Amen? Okay, fast forward to AD 33. Okay, Jesus has just been resurrected, and Thomas, the doubter, apparently works through his doubts, and then he heads to where? He heads to Nineveh to tell people about Jesus. And the God-fearers and others that were influenced by Jonah become followers of Jesus Christ. Fast forward to A.D. 256. Historians tell us that the entire nation of Assyria becomes followers of Jesus Christ. Fast forward to A.D. 650. The Assyrian Christians were the first to send missionaries to India and to China. Fast forward to today, A.D. 2021. And there is a church... Founded in Assyria, called the Assyrian Church of the East, that is located all over the world today. Boom. Here's a couple places Australia, New Zealand, Lebanon, Syria, Europe, India, Russia, Iraq, California, Canada. Their headquarters is in Chicago, Illinois. Here is a picture of the Holy Apostolic Assyrian Church of the East in Moscow. But this is not it. Get this. Every February 14th through the 16th, the Assyrian Church of the East observe a a festival in honor of Jonah for coming to them as the first evangelist. And in this three-day celebration of Jonah, in his reluctance to come to them, to this day they celebrate Jonah Coming to them and telling them about God. And like the king of Assyria issued a fast as a result of believing in God. So in this three-day celebration of Jonah, they engage in a fast. Jonah had no idea the bigger story that God was writing. So let's trust God to do his job at just the right time because this is way above our pay grade, let it go. The Bible says, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't live a life of revenge and anger towards God and others and in life in general. Relax and trust God to make all things right in his time. Wait, wait, oh shoebox dweller. Number three, when God doesn't make sense, trust his grace and his love is great and applies to all people, including us. The reality is there's all kinds of other ants in the box with us. Some of the ants look different than us. Some of them act different than us. Some of them speak a different language than us. There are ants all over the box. Some of them are far away and they're struggling more than we are, but we don't really see them. And so we forget about them. But here's what we know for sure. Here's what we've learned. Is that God loves them all equally. How could this be? God loves them all equally. And wants to be in a relationship with them. And he's calling on his existing customers. His existing followers, if you would. To partner with him. To go into the other room. Put a smile in our face and hold out our hand and say, "How can I help you?" This is at the very heart of Westside Family Church. This is very heart of the symbols we've placed on this bracelet. I'm going to invite you to say it out loud with me. This is what it's all about. Ready? Ready? Here we go. We are God's family. Loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, sharing Jesus, to raise up Christ-centered families in our city and beyond by wrapping God's family around your family. And we have a great opportunity right now in front of us with this thing that we are partnering with all over the world called the One Campaign. We've entitled this series, Don't Be a Jonah, meaning don't run from God's call on your life. At the end of the series, I'm going to turn it and invite you To actually be a Jonah. Because at the end of the day. Jonah. Although initially reluctant. He did go. And he did share. And look at the ripple effect of his life. Beyond his ability to see in his own shoebox. 2,770 years later. And what happened in Jonah's life. Could happen to our lives. If we simply align our lives to the call of God in our lives. So starting in two weeks, on February the 14th, the same day that the Assyrian Church of the East will begin their celebration and recognition of Jonah's obedience in coming to them, on February the 14th, we're going to launch the one campaign with 15 urban cities around the world and 150 churches of all kinds in Kansas City, to talk about, and to take in, and to share the story of Jesus, which gives us a grand opportunity to be like Jonah in three ways, let me tell you. One, be a Jonah by inviting someone on Sunday. Beginning on February 14th, we're going to teach through the Gospel of Mark what a great opportunity, whether in person or online, line, to invite someone to take in the life of Jesus through these experiences. Number two, be a Jonah by inviting someone into a watching group. We have these six episodes on the life of Jesus where laid over these episodes is word for word the gospel of Mark in over 500 languages. And you can invite people into this experience with proper social distancing. You can do it online. You can do it as a family. And uh, who doesn't like popcorn and Netflix, right? This is what this is, right? But it's not about some silly drama, but rather it's about the life of Jesus. And the final one is be a Jonah by inviting someone to the listening plan. There's this free app. And and on this free app is an invitation for people to take in Matthew, Luke, and John over a 40-day period for 10 minutes a day, Matthew, Luke, and John. It is all about Jesus. We're inviting you to take in Jesus, but we're inviting you to be a Jonah because there are people you know. There are people God's calling you to, to share the good news. And who knows? if not 2,770 years from now, there might even be a fast in honor of you. Does your cell phone service make no sense to you? I'm sorry. I offer you no hope. Does God not make sense to you? I have this piece of advice for you. Don't let your view from the shoebox overwhelm you but trust in God who sees it all from above and remember he is crazy in love with you not just love crazy love who among us would send our only child To die for people who deserve death. That's what God did with his son. I have three boys. And I tell you the truth. I'm not offering any of them up for you. I'm not. End of story. God is so crazy in love with you that he did just that. That's called crazy love. And as we enter into a time of worship here, Lenexa Speedway and online, we're going to enter into a time of communion together, of remembering this crazy love sacrifice on our behalf. We deserved judgment, and yet God gave us one more chance and sent his son. Be standing to your feet as we worship together.